episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ryan on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and I'm here with the center episode, okay? And the reason we're doing the center episode is because the Giants do not have one right now. They do not have a surefire starting center, and it's a problem because the offensive line is not like it's solidified around the center. Oh, all they need is a center. No, they have other question marks. So that line is still one of the big concerns on this team. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we're going to talk to Ben Bredesen, one of the potential answers at center. We're going to ask him what he feels about possibly moving to that position. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. We got him on deck. Good, good, good dude. But first, I want to talk about the overall shape of the Giants. Because I still think there's a lot of people out there, and based on my, you know, the Twitter questions that come from people, or comments, I shouldn't even say questions. It's like, go get Odell. Sign Odell. Tell Joe Shane. We need Odell. Let me just get this off my chest real quick. The big move that people are expecting, the trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and this is obviously not everybody. It's a small portion. The trade for DeAndre Hopkins, okay? The signing of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the pulling Jerry Judy, the unrealistic pulling of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton from the Broncos. No, no. Gone. Get those dreams. Out of your head. <laughs> Disappear like a fart in a wind. Gone. Okay? Don't sit there and pretend those you think that or really realistically believe those moves are happening. Here's the situation the Giants are in. They're tight against the salary cap right now. They have other spots to fill out. The only big move that remains for this team is re-signing Dexter Lawrence. That could come later this offseason. Because that'll create some, some space, let them fill out the roster have money for their rookie class. And remember, they got a big rookie class. So that's the big move that this team has remaining. It's not to go out there and trade or sign a big-name wide receiver at this point. Here's what the Giants have. Think about this for a second, and I'll count them. Uh, Darius Slayton, that's one. Uh, Paris Campbell, two. Wandale Robinson, three. Isaiah Hodgins, four, right? Then you have Jeff Smith, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, okay? So those are three in reserve. Now, they're going to go out there and draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. So then that's five. That's five locks and three in reserve. That's eight receivers, okay? So think about it. Five lock receivers I just named because we're counting. They're going to draft a guy. Fairly high. Campbell Slayton, Wondell Robinson, Isaiah Hodgins. Lock him into the roster as long as they're healthy. And then a rookie. That's five. You know, Sterling Shepard, Jeff Smith, Jamison Crowder. We'll see which one of them work, work out. None of them are guaranteed a spot. But, okay, one of them will make six. Two of them, seven. That's a big wide receiver room if you do seven. Especially when you consider they'll probably only go six because think about this. They're going to go a lot of two wide receiver. They traded for Darren Waller. He's essentially like a wide receiver for them. So you're adding him to Daniel Bellinger. So you're playing a lot of two tight end sets. That means you're not necessarily using a lot of three wide receiver sets. So you don't need seven receivers when you're going to play a lot of two tight ends. You need five or six wide receivers on the active roster. The Giants are going to have five locks on the active roster. They didn't set up this situation to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins or sign Odell Beckham Jr. Now, what the Giants do need to do is address the offensive line. Because if you think about it, that remains a problem. As of right now, left to right, left tackle, we got Andrew Thomas. Left guard, you've got 
I guess Josh Azudu. Center, you have Ben Bredesen. Now, if you get a center, Bredesen could easily slide into left guard. I expect him to be the starting left guard. Uh, but right now, he he might be the center. Right guard, Mark Lewinsky. And then right tackle, Evan Neal. Now, the interior of that line, as currently constituted, is not very good. Azudu, we don't know. When he was in, he was pedestrian. Rookie, mid-round pick out of North Carolina. Got injured late in the year. Missed the second half of the year, basically. Would be a big question mark. You could cross your fingers and hope he could be good. He has some talent for sure, but we don't know. Ben Bredesen, if he had to start at center, not a natural center. Uh, was their best guard last year by far. I, I think Ben Bredesen should be their starting left guard. But starting at center, okay, would be a little bit of a risk. Right guard, Mark Lewinsky, is what he is. Decent starter, low-end starter maybe a little bit. But veteran, can do some things in the run game. Decent player. Not a high-end player, though. So that's three question marks on the interior. And then you still have that question mark at right tackle. We know Evan. We, we know uh, Andrew Thomas. Okay. He's blossomed into a stud, a star. He's a great left tackle. Going to be a great left tackle. At the very least, he's very, very good. Okay. But right tackle, Evan Neal struggled. He's now working with Willie Anderson, former, uh, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but great tackle in the NFL. Cincinnati Bengals, all-time great. Really, really Tremendous player for a very long time in the league. He's working with him trying to make some changes right now. We'll have more on that, hopefully, in the coming weeks. But Evan Neal is a huge question mark. And perhaps the most important player on this Giants team coming into the season. Because if Evan Neal can make a big jump, all of a sudden the Giants offensive line is in significantly better shape. Especially if they draft a center. Which, by the way, let's look at all the breadcrumbs. There's Nick Gates. There's John Feliciano. Okay? Both guys... Started some games at center last year. Both guys have proven they can start at center in the NFL. In Nick Gates, probably at a higher level. Obviously, he had that leg injury. Set him back. But John Feliciano was, was Dabo's guy, right? He came in, helped him, uh, leadership, teaching the offense. So they wanted to go with John Feliciano. He started most of the year. But the Giants showed this offseason by their actions that they didn't really want either of those guys back as a starter. They were willing to have both guys come back, but as backups. Very little money. Little to no guaranteed money. Feliciano basically took a job as a backup in San Francisco where they guaranteed him, I think it was close to $3 million. The Giants wouldn't guarantee him much of anything. Same with Nick Gates. They basically offered him a minimum deal. So yeah, we'd love to have you back as a contingency plan with minimal money. Same with Feliciano. We'd love to have you back, but basically as a contingency deal with very little money. So what does that say? That says this team 100% is going to draft a center fairly early. They made that decision earlier this offseason. They said, we are we we like the draft. There's some centers out there. I'll list some of the, the top options off in a second. Where we feel we can get in the second or third round, probably, a high-end center that could start as a rookie. And so because of that, they said, well, what position can we give up some money at? We, we're going to need to, you know, they're still tight against money because they signed the signing of Daniel Jones is a costly move. You now have a quarterback under a, a big long-term contract, no longer playing with a rook, rookie uh, quarterback contract. Changes everything. So now the Giants are sitting there and they have to say, all right, who's available in the draft? And remember, think about it. The whole Giants contingent we saw out at Ohio State. Everyone's like, oh, they're there. They're watching Jackson, Smith, the Jigba, right? And that's true. 
But Bobby Johnson, offensive line coach, was out there too, right? And think about it. Ohio State, they have a high-level center. I believe his name is Joe Tippin. I think I got that right. So Ohio State has a high-end center. Uh, Steve Avila from uh, TCU. John Michael Schmidt is a guy a lot of people talk about. There's a Michigan center. I don't even want to try to pronounce that name. But who's, who's uh, highly regarded. Luke Whippler, another center out there. So there's about five or six centers that are in that second to third round range. I'd expect one of them to be on the Giants next season. It only makes sense. You follow the breadcrumbs, right? They were unwilling to pay two guys who were their starting centers last year who have extensive experience as starting centers. Now, they brought in J.C. Hassenauer for a visit last week. But again, they're not looking to pay him. They're not looking to pay any of these guys. Ben Jones is out there. I don't see them going in that direction. Former Titan center, really good player, had some injuries in the last couple of years. I just don't see the Giants going that way. It looks like everything is pointing to the Giants drafting a center day one or two. Likely day two. Uh, one other move we'll get to before we get to Bredesen in a second here. Talk to talk to Ben Bredesen. Uh, Julian Love left. Got a deal with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, basically $6 million a year. Two years, $12 million, Guaranteed the money in year one. Uh, but what it means to me, and then the Giants went out and signed uh, Bobby McCain from Washington. Safety, slot, nickel. guy, A, a weapon that the Giants said, Wink Martindale could kind of move around. He likes those kind of pieces, especially on third down, where he can get unique and innovative and get people blitzing from everywhere. But to me, the name to watch is Jason Pinnock. Dane Belton's there as well. He struggled as a rookie. But Jason Pinnock, telling you, I've heard from people in the organization, he opened some eyes last year. His athleticism, his speed. Jason Pinnock, there's a decent shot that he can win, he, he can win that starting spot opposite Xavier McKinney. Now, think about it. You have a super athletic tandem, a duo between Pinnock and McKinney. And now, Wink Martindale can go to work. Scheme up unique blitzes with those guys. Unique coverages, you know, because both of them could essentially play that center fielder role. So I think that's definitely something to watch there. I know, I know the Giants like him. So that's why... I believe they said, you know what? They got to a point. They said, you know what? We don't want to put the big money into a safety. A big money by, I mean, like six, seven, eight million dollars into Julian Love. And he, he turned down probably what I think was a better offer. Not 100% sure. But it seemed like he thought he was going to get in the eight million dollar range in free agency. Didn't happen. Still pretty good deal. But the Giants made the decision at some point and said, you know what? We're probably going to re-sign Xavier McKinney moving forward. Of course, he has to stay healthy. We think he's the better player. Let's let Julian Love walk. Can only put so much money into the position. So I think they came to that realization that that was the best move for this organization. And here we are, Julian Love, now in Seattle. And the Giants going to go with Dane Belton, McCain, and Jason Pinnock as their other safeties next to Xavier McKinney. Which I'm not... I, look, I like Julian Love. Not going to say is the wrong move. I think he's a... A quality player. He proved that he's a quality starter. He did what he he was better than I thought he was going to be. I'll say that as a full time starter. I thought eventually he'd get exposed long term, and he had some bad games. Don't get me wrong; he played poorly in the playoffs. He had that bad play against the Eagles, but overall throughout the season, his tape was pretty good. He showed to be a pretty pretty solid quality starting safety in the NFL. But does that mean I want to pay him? I know he has special teams value. He was the fullback on the punty, but I still. 
look, if I have to pay Xavier McKinney, I don't I don't want to then put the money into Julian Love as well. I'd rather solidify other positions on the defense and the team. And that's what the Giants did. Let's talk more about the offensive line. On to the next one. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, let's talk to Giants offensive lineman Ben Bredesen, uh, guard, maybe center, Uh just call him offensive lineman in general. Ben, what's going on, man? How we doing, man? Doing well, Jordan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I want I, So tell me about your offseason here because you told me you were going to go ice fishing at the end of the season. I need to know a little bit about ice fishing, okay? Did it happen? Uh, uh, what's it like? What's the attire? I need to know. I need to know the important details. I'll give you the details. So, yeah, it, it did happen, of course. Um Unfortunately, in Wisconsin, it was not the uh, the longest ice fishing season that I've seen. Um, we had this, the we had some warm days, and the lakes kind of thawed a bit. But um, way up in the northern part of the state, my that's where my grandparents lived, and where my dad kind of grew up uh, for about half his life up there. And it's about four hours north of me, so towards the northern end of the state and it was still a lot colder up there so we went and did uh did a couple weekends up there one uh one or two with family and then uh, one with uh uh one of my buddies from home here uh we all kind of got a group together and went up and uh it was so fun just you a know, cabin just, is there a cabin yeah. you or just, just go sit outside with with, with t- there's cabins on the lake cabins on the lake and then you bring uh you know your little pop-up Tents, shanties, whatever you want to call them, and uh, yeah, you bring all your gear and you put it in a put it in a sled behind you and just kind of drag it out, and you just go out in the lake and drill some holes. And uh, I mean, you kind of have to have a decent idea of. Give me an idea. Uh, I'm 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 not very smart. What does drill yeah. holes mean? Like what? Is, yeah, you say. So you have as if you know. I'm not very smart. Uh, yeah. No, wait. wait so, how, do you, how do you drill a hole? So you have. Um, an ice auger, which is, you know, essentially, essentially, uh, you know, like a, a six inch diameter ice drill. So, um, yeah, you, you start the thing and you just, and it's, it just digs into the ice and it, and you know, it keeps going down and down and pulling all the, um, all the ice chips up. And then finally you break through. So, I mean, there's anywhere from a foot of ice to, you know, 14 inches of ice. So it's, uh, you know, it's totally safe. You could drive a, 
a truck out there and be fine. Um, but you, you drill your hole and then, um, you get, uh, you know, there's different, um, fish locators or, you know, depth finders and you drop it in there. And, uh, you know, you want to find a, depending on what you're fishing for, there's certain depths and, uh, certain depths that you want to be at. So, um, once you kind of find the area that you need to be, you, uh, honestly, you drill, it, you just kind of drill a couple holes and, um, you know, the easiest, the least amount of work is just sitting on a bucket out there with your little, um, with your depth finder and your, and your locator and you're just sitting there, you know, and, uh, you got a little worm or, you know, a wax worm or something on the end and just jigging on the bottom, trying to get a crappie in there. And it's just, it's, dude, it, honestly, it's, it's a social event. Like you're out there with your buddies out on the ice and, and you're drinking beer or something. Yeah, you know, there's some, there's some, there's usually some, uh, you know, refreshments around. So, you know, you're hanging out and, uh, it's, it's a great time. And, you know, I grew up doing it. It's kind of my little relaxation thing, especially after the season, you know, I'll go up there and, you know, there's, um, it's like my winter getaway, you know, there's not a whole lot of, uh, some guys goes to Cabo and you go ice fishing. Yeah, and I decided to go north in the colder weather and the <laughs> snow. So to each their own, I guess. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, it sounds interesting to me. I would definitely, you know, it's it's on one of the things I'd like to do now. I, I no, it, I would like to just go out and go ice fishing at some point in my life. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple thing, and you know, uh, I'm sure there's gonna be people out listening to this that are like, "The hell is he doing? Why is he doing that in winter?" But hey, don't knock it till you try it. It's it's a great time, and uh, especially if you get a good group of people, then you know. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So from a football perspective, we're going to real we'll transition here real quick. Mm-hmm. Sitting at home now at this time of the year, what's it like to watch free agency from a distance and guys leaving, going? I mean, how how much are guys keeping track of it, and how much are you talking about it with other teammates via text or whatever? Um, you know, I'm I would say you know, at a distance, I'm, I'm obviously keeping tabs with what we're doing. Um, and you know, I've got friends that are free agents too. So you kind of keep it tabs on, you know, where they're going and, you know, other guys in the league, you know, that you played against, um, you know, just kind of keeping a, keeping a pulse on everything, um, keeping a pulse on everything and where everybody's going. But, um, you know, that's the experience that, you know, I personally haven't had. So I can't really relate. I just watch it from a, from a distance and just kind of keep tabs with what, whatever's going on. And well, you're in, uh, you're entering the final year of your rookie contract this year. So next year you will, barring an extension, be an unrestricted free agent. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, two guys that you did lose are part of that line were Nick Gates and John Feliciano. What did you think when you saw that? And does that, how much does that surprise you, actually? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, you've been in the locker room. You know that those two are some of my closest friends on the team. You know, so um, obviously, always you know, sad, sad you won't see him every single day. Um, happy they got deals, um, but uh, you know, they're they're both great people. Two of the better guys that I've uh, ever come across. You know, playing football in my life. So uh, you know, Gates was one of my close friends he he welcomed me with open arms as soon as i got here uh two years ago great and and great great dude great dude 
Can't say enough good things about Nick. He was always a shoe in for an online dinner. I mean, always available, <laughs> always ready to go. So he was great. And Feliciano, um, you know, we were locker neighbors. He was, we were right next to each other. And, um, you know, he was a great friend, absolutely a great friend, probably a better mentor. And, uh, you know, kind of, he showed me, a, you know, a thing or two about just growing up in the league and also just, just a great guy to bounce ideas off of him and just to hang out with. I mean, he was, uh, you know, a very, uh, you know, very expressive guy. Awesome. You know, hilarious made the room very light and fun. So, um, yeah, you can't say enough. He's got that dry, he's got that dry humor to him for sure. Very, very, <laughs> that is his personality, but it was surprising. I will say this. It was surprising that they let both of them go because now you don't have a, let's say natural center right on the roster. So in that regard, what do you make of that? And one name I did hear of a potential possibility at center would be you. And you have played it a little bit. I wonder how much have they, has anyone mentioned it to you about, Hey, you might, we might need you to play center or you might be moving to center or or anything along those lines. No, I mean, I mean, Jordan, you know, my role on team. I mean, like you said, it's, interior interior line guard center whatever you know um it's whatever whatever's asked whatever whatever i need to do so um yeah you've done it before though right i mean you have, you've done it you yeah. practice you've played in that in that finale you played in in the the regular season finale i'm talking about you played you played some center so it is something that's not completely uncommon to you correct correct yeah no i feel very comfortable doing it um you know that's the you know, that's, that was my role. So, um, yeah, I feel comfortable, at, you know, any of those three interior spots. If they said to you though, we want, we want you to concentrate on center. Would you have to do anything differently? Like, would you have to train a little differently? Would you all of a sudden then spend more time snapping the ball or working on, I don't know. You tell me what goes into that. If that was something that they would say to you. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, if that ever happened, then. Um, you know, if they narrow it down, then you can, you know, I guess practice more sets at, the, at that one spot, you know, um, training wise, I mean, working out is, um, you know, I'm just, I'm more worried on improving like flexibility and movement and, you know, functional movement at the time, which I feel like is pretty good for any of those, any, either spot, right. you know, so it's not like that's gonna alter my whole off-season training program or anything like that too crazy but um you know i'm it's like uh you know being an interior guy you always gotta be ready to snap the ball so you know you're always practicing snapping the ball you're always doing sets you're always running around you know practicing every possible block you could have so um no i mean it, it wouldn't really change much at all what did you think of playing center in that finale it was probably was that the most you played in the game um, regular season, yeah. Um, yeah, we had that preseason game up in New England where right. I did, you know, a little more. But yeah, regular season, yeah, that was most of most I played at center. Give me, give me your evaluation of yourself in that game. What, what did you think of how that went? Yeah, you know, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah, we had some good plays, we had some bad plays. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, the cliche. There's always some things to work on, but that was definitely true there. Um, you know, and we were going. Yeah, you know, Philly's got a good def- defensive line, obviously. So, 
yeah, um, some some dogs on there for sure. Yeah, and uh, um, you know we were we were uh, yeah having a great time. You know, Dragons playing quarterback, we were kind of moving the ball too in that second half. So um, you know it was fun. Uh, and you know I thought I thought I did well. Thought you know there was you know one or two pass uh, pass protections that uh, you know one I know that Hargrave's got me on, and then uh, you know a couple others I probably could have been little stouter on or something but um no i was happy with it you know the one thing that has kind of hampered you so far in your career has been injuries right mm-hmm. uh is there anything that you do did you all do that you when you enter this offseason you say okay i could do this differently or maybe i maybe i could approach it differently and help me out i, I know some of it's just freakish right some guy just lands on the side of your leg i don't know, really know if there's a way to train for that but yeah what did, what do you what do you make of the injuries uh and your approach to trying to limit them no i mean like you said sometimes it's out of your control really i mean uh like i'm doing everything i can you know now more than ever especially for like i said movement flexibility functional movement because you know that's that could save you from uh you know, a hamstring or a pulled quad or, you know, just give you that little extra motion where nothing does get torn, you know, and you can still keep going and you'll be fine. You know, that kind of mindset into it. But like you said, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's been injuries, but you know, sometimes there's some things are out of your control. Like, you know, two years ago, guy stepped on my hand. Like I can't, I can't train for that. I mean, like guy stepped on my hand and broke it. So it is what it is. And then, you know, this last year, fell down and you know two guys fell on top of me in jacksonville and you know tweaked the knee a little bit so it's like sometimes that just the kind of stuff just happens so you know the, you're doing is you're doing everything you can to prevent them to keep your mobility up keep your strength up so that you know you can last the whole season and and stay healthy um but you know at the end of the game at the end of the day the game is you know is ruthless and sometimes and sometimes things just happen. What, how do you view the line right now, right? You have two young tackles. Uh, one, obviously, Andrew Thomas has blossomed into a star. The other one kind of had his struggles his, his rookie year. And then uh, the interior right now, I mean, kind of like, I guess it's you, uh, Mark Lewinsky, a couple, couple young guys. And then that center position is, is uh, uncertainty. So how do you view the line as a whole? Like, what can this line be, and what do you, what do you envision it moving forward? And and how what do when you talk to guys, how how do you how do you guys look at it as a whole? Yeah, I mean, if you take you know strictly the guys that were there last year, right? Um, you know, I thought we had some great growth. Well, anybody yet? So. Yeah, but so yeah, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. So you take that. It's strict. You know, I thought we had a lot of growth throughout the year. Um, you know, I've, and that's from the, you know, the internal perspective of it. And, you know, we, there was some, I wouldn't even call them really growing pains with, with Bobby and with Dave's and all, and Kafka and all them. Um, but you know, there's still a learning curve that goes into it. And, uh, you know, once we went over that and, you know, Bobby was great. Tony Sprano was great with, with the line and, you know, especially all the players too. I mean, we, we grew closer than, um, closer in a unit than I've ever, than I've seen in my, you know, short career here. But, um, 
it was a blast, Jordan. I'll tell you that. Like, why was that? Why do you think? Why do you think that was that you grew closer than any other group? I think part of it, you know, the culture helped a ton. I'll say that. You know, the ability that Dave's and uh, that Dave set up, and you know, obviously trickles down with Bobby in our room. Um, you know, just being able to be yourself, and I mean, it was, a, it was a blast coming in every single day and coming to work. Like there was never a a, a dog day of. Like, oh, we got to get through, you know, got to get through today and then, you know, and then we'll figure it out again tomorrow. Like it was, it was fun coming in every single day. They made everything fun. We really enjoyed being around each other. It was an outstanding group in the O-line room. Um, guys really liked each other. There was not a, not an outcast anywhere. You know, we were hanging out outside of the building, hanging out inside the building, always talking, you know, football, life, anything. It was it was great. And then we saw that transfer over the field. Give me, Sorry? Of how they, give me an example of how they made that fun. I'm curious because, you know, you, it's, it seems you, it could, you could go in there and be like sort of Groundhog Day, same thing over and over again. Yeah. And how? No, totally. I mean, you could go in there as, and you, you know, just take it strictly from, you know, Bobby's perspective. You know, you could go in there every single day and just, you know, shut the door. Okay, let's get to work. You know, here's, here's the plays. Boom, boom, boom. Go through it. And, and and leave, but um, you know, Bobby is a, a a very a very fun guy. You know, he's a hell of a coach, first of all, and a, a great human being. And uh, you know, he had a genuine interest in all of our lives. He genuinely cared about everybody. And Tony Sperano, same way. And uh, you know, that trickled down to everybody else. And we realized, okay, they can be themselves. We can be ourselves. We can joke around in the room. You know give each other a little shit, joke, have some fun. And, uh, you know, we were, you know, you'd start the morning, somebody's got a, a, you know, a funny story, cracking jokes. Um, you know, it happened all the time and it just made, it made it light, made it fun. And then it was like, all right, let's, let's get to work now. So, um, you know, it really, I look forward to seeing those guys every single day. Part of that room is Evan Neal, right? And he's yeah. a big piece going forward. You know, a little up and down rookie year for sure. Uh, we know that's kind of the sort of how this league works, right? I mean, it's really hard to come in and be a stud player right away. What would you look at him? Gives you optimism that Evan Neal is going to get it right and be a significant player in this league? I'm fully confident in Evan, 100%. Um, he's got a work ethic that, you know, he, he knows how to how to handle himself. Um, you know, he's got, obviously he bounces tons of ideas off of Drew. So, you know, there's a great mentor, you know, to have at the tackle position, obviously. And, uh, no, Evan, Evan is, he's a, he's a, he's a hard worker. He's a great, you know, a great, a great guy and he's an incredible athlete. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about Evan, really not. And seeing it from the inside, you know, he truly cares about, the team he truly cares about you know how he can help the team and what he can do better how that how his performance can help um you know they often score more points all that he he cares and he wants it more than anybody so um you know i expect him to be you know a, a hell of a player that's a pretty glowing review right there uh another guy so you talk about how there's this culture that's created and you could kind of see it but when Daniel Jones signed his contract, mm -hmm. 
and you see how happy guys were for him. And I'm not even just, I'm talking like on all sides of the ball, all different positions. What was it about that that seemed to, I don't know, resonate throughout the locker room? To me, that really hit, like everybody seemed to feel like pure joy for Daniel Jones that he got paid and got that big contract. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, he deserved it. Uh, you know, I mean, you've been in the locker room. You, you see, he's he's a huge centerpiece of this team. You know, everybody loves everybody loves Daniel. I can think anybody. I can never think of a poor opinion I've ever heard from somebody talking about Daniel. Um, you know, inside the locker room, everybody loves him as a as a human being, and he's you know arguably the hardest worker on the team. I mean, he is the hours that that guy puts in are are unbelievable. And, you know, he's an incredibly smart player. He's a great leader, selfless. And, you know, like you've seen him run the ball. I mean, sometimes, yeah, he probably should, probably shouldn't be, you know, maybe slide a couple times or something like that. I don't know. I'm not a coach of that, but it's a linebacker's chest. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's the guy wants to win. And, you know, it's he sometimes, you know, you you look at Daniel and, you know, you love him. He's just quiet, you know, sometimes quiet, soft-spoken kid or soft-spoken guy. And then he goes on the field. He's a completely different person, and he's just got this killer instinct in his eye, and you love it, and you love blocking for him. You love playing with him, and you know for him to to get that deal, you know I don't think anyone had anything but pure joy for him. Pure, you know, we were all so excited for him. Yeah, you can see that for real. I mean, I I, I usually like with guys like Ellerson Smith, who's like on the other side of the ball, right? I you know you wouldn't think Ellerson Smith has this direct you know, uh, everyday relationship and guys like that were like literally posting stuff on social media about how happy they were for Daniel Jones. It really caught my attention. And it really, I think speaks volumes about what Daniel Jones means in it. And I, and I, it's interesting the way you say it, because the first thing you said was because he earned it. And I, and I think that's interesting that, that guys in the locker room look at it that way. That means something more than that he had did grind his way up and you guys know he went through the struggles that he did along the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, absolutely. And, you know, from his performance last year and, you know, it was so cool to see, uh, I forget which game it was, maybe it was, maybe it was Indy. But, you know, I think there was a time when Daniel got, I don't know if he got pulled out of the game or if he scored a touchdown or something, and all of MetLife is chanting Daniel Jones. Yeah, that was when the, uh, they pulled him out in the middle of the drive for the standing ovation. Right. Exactly. And I, was, and I was standing there like, this is so cool. So cool. So good for Daniel. And uh, now it was, I mean, I'll, I'll remember that part of the year for sure. It was just yeah. a great moment for him. So now we're going to play a game to see how well you know your quarterback, okay? Oh, my God. All right. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'll start easy. Don't embarrass me now, Jordan, all right? I this is come on. What school did Daniel Jones almost attend before he went to Duke? It's in New Jersey. It's gotta be Rutgers. Very, very smart people. Oh, Princeton. Princeton, yes. Correct. I'll, I'll give that, that, that makes sense. Even, even though it's smart school, that I mean I'm all in on Princeton. Not that there's anything wrong with Rutgers. No, Big Ten school. Good school, but I mean, we're talking Ivy League here. 
What song did Daniel Jones have to sing, or did he decide to sing, on his rookie initiation? George, you're asking me these questions. I wasn't even around. This I know. Two years before me. You could just just make just make up some song that you know Daniel Jones oh. likes. I want I want to know what you think Daniel Jones's favorite music is. I need to, I want to. Hear oh, that. I know he's a. I mean, I know he's a. You know, he's a country guy at times too. So I mean, we went through a. You know, a, well, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But <laughs> um, uh, Wa- wagon wheel by Darius Rucker. That's what he sang. That's what he sang. And then wait. I, there's actually two answers. How about the second one? Buy you a drink from T Pain. See, that is that is extremely fitting for him. All right. Why? Okay. Well, I mean, because he's got a wide range, and like when we're hanging out and stuff outside, I mean, it'll be like he'll play a Darius Rucker song, and then he would follow it up with like T Pain, and you're like, all right, well, this is a complete 180, but love it. Maybe that's why he can relate to so many people, right? He's got that versatility. Yeah. He's got a he's got a he's got a very big uh, music library. I'll give him that. So, so I'll give you like a half for that because you did you were right on with that. Okay, he does he does uh, like country, and you were in the so you were you were going in the right direction. So I'll give you partial credit. His favorite player and or team growing up was in the NFL was. Well, I have seen the jer- the video or the picture of him wearing an Eli Manning Giants jersey. That is incorrect. He was I, wearing the Eli Manning jersey, but he grew up where? Well, he grew up in North Carolina. I'd North say Carolina. Panthers. So it was the Panthers, and his guy was Steve Smith and Jake DeLone. Yeah, but he did have an yeah, Eli Manning. That makes sense. I've heard, still, I've heard him talk about Steve, which Smith. I still don't really get. You kind of killed me up here, Jordan. I mean. All right. Do you know that Daniel Jones was an excellent basketball player? Did you know this? Hold on. You broke up. What'd you say? Did you know that Daniel Jones was an excellent basketball player? Oh, I did know that. Yes. What player was from, he's on the Boston Celtics, was on his AAU team? Dude, I couldn't tell you. I'm so sorry. I couldn't name, I couldn't name three Celtics right now. Well, you should have just said Jason Tatum then, you know, at least I would, I would have been like, okay, Grant Williams and Grant Williams tells a story, okay, about Daniel Jones, about how he dunked on a 6'10", uh, five-star recruit's head, believe that or, believe it or not. And Daniel yeah. Jones was supposed to be really good. Jay, yeah. Billis, Jay Billis's son was on his AAU team too. Jay Billis swears that Daniel Jones could have played at Duke. Wow. Well, I mean, he's a dude. He's a, he's an athlete. He is an athlete. He is. We see that. I mean, I think we've come to know that. All right. Last one. You're, you're good. Oh, for four so far. So we'll, thank you. Yeah. This is wonderful. You're making me look great. <laughs> Do you know your quarterback? Obviously, the answer is no. But uh, high school or college nicknames, you know, have you heard either of these? No. All right, then Danny Dimes is the, literally the only one I know him as. Yeah, Danny Dimes came afterwards. His yeah. high school nickname, believe it or not, was Swag. Okay? And his college nickname, and they called him, he was redshirted at Duke, and apparently they knew he was good right away. They called him the future. Oh. Yeah. The, n- pretty pretty mid-type uh, nicknames right there. Nothing special, but 
I th- I was a little surprised when I researched and I found out that they called him Swag. I wouldn't come away with that, you know, saying, wow, Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's Swag, right? You know? I think we need to find some Daniel Jones high school pictures then. <laughs> I think it more had to do with the way he handled himself. His old high school coach tells a story of a scrawny Daniel Jones getting plastered and getting his face planted in the ground where you think he basically said his his uh his face mask was bent he got hit so hard in one game and then he still walked off the field and you know with with that uh swag so to say so that's mm-hmm. i believe where the the story came from so all right you do not know your quarterback but uh we'll work on this we'll work on the oh i got to call him <laughs> call him say ask him hey what's your favorite movie what do you what do you like to eat Hey, next time I'm on the podcast, uh, Daniel, what is your, you know, seventh grade nickname? What, what were your parents calling you as a nickname growing up in case this comes up in the next time I'm on Jordan's podcast? Uh, good deal. Good deal. I like it. I like the thinking right there. Uh, so you're ready? We'll, we'll finish with this because uh, I don't think a lot of people know this about you. You're you, you're a baseball fan. I am. You're I, a Mets fan in particular. That's correct. Right now. That's correct. Because your brother... Is uh, what's his what's his title? Pitching coordinate pitching. He just got a new title. He actually just got promoted this last year, so he's got a new title that I haven't really memorized yet. But basically, he is uh, he works in analytics. He's an analytics uh, guy. uh, He's an analytics guy um, that works with their pitching staff, and for the past two years, he worked directly with the with the major league clubs pitchers. So, um, you know, like Scherzer and Degrom, he was with those guys and. Um, you know, working with any any pitching analytics and like the the numbers that these guys pull off of each pitch is insane. You know, they're they're talking about you know not even just launch angle, but like launch height from the ground. You know, RPMs, all that. So he was so he worked with them for the last two years with the pro club, and he actually just got a promotion to work and kind of oversee all the minor league. Uh, pitchers now, so um, he's working on more of the. He's into major leagues or instead of. So he's he's got now obviously many more pitchers to look over. That's a bigger job for sure. It's a bigger job, and uh, so he's down at spring training right now at Port St. Lucie, um, looking over all his guys. But uh, no, I mean it was it was great. He actually he got hired by the Mets. The same year that I got drafted to Baltimore, so um, you know he was in living in Manhattan and working for uh, the Mets, and I was down in Maryland. And you know there was one week I saw him one weekend. That was it. Uh, he, they came and played the Orioles, so I went to went to two Oriole games with him, and we had dinner. Um, you know we had dinner in Baltimore, and you know that was it. And that was the only time I saw him for like really the whole year, and then. You know, lo and behold, fast forward, get traded to New York, and now I'm living like 1.1 miles away from him, just right across the river. So, well, uh, miles could take you like 45 minutes. Oh, it still takes me, <laughs> still takes me 40 <laughs> minutes to see him, but it's not that far if you think about it. You know, could run either 40 minutes away. I'm either 40 minutes away or one mile. So I'd choose to think of the one mile. Um, so no, I, you know, I go to Mets games, see him, hang out with him in the summer and I'll be at, you know, at City Field and, um, or just, I mean, we get dinner like once a week. So it's been great. How good are the Mets going to be this year? 
I mean, you see what we're spending in free agency? <laughs> I hope we're doing really good. Well, I hope, I hope they're, they're going to be real good. hope Steve Cohen's taking care of Jack the same way he's uh, going after free agents. That would be nice. I'm sure you would love that. So, uh, no, it should be a good year. I'm excited. All right, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, it'll be exciting. It'll also be exciting to see what happens with the uh, you and the Giants offensive line this year. Uh, preference, if you had to, you you would prefer guard over center, or does it not matter to you at all? doesn't matter, man. I, just, I can do whatever they, whatever they need. Well, all right. There's, there's your answer. Giants starting left guard, uh, potentially center. Who knows? He'll do whatever the team asks him. Ben, appreciate it, man. Do it again soon. Absolutely. Good talking to you, Jordan. On to the next one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, thanks to Ben Bredesen right there. Uh, the Giants' offensive lineman, I don't know whether I should call him center or guard. I still think he should be their starting left guard. That's just me. I'm not in charge. We'll see what happens. I think it depends on who they draft, if that guy's ready. If that guy, they're not sure that he's ready, uh, Bredesen, Bredesen's probably going to be seeing a lot of time at center this summer. Now, I, I think he should be their starting left guard uh, or right guard, and you'd you see if, how Azudu does, and if Azudu is a better option than Glowinski. But to me, when Ben Bredesen's healthy, he's the best guard they have on this roster. So uh, here's how the rest of the week is going to go. It's the owners' meeting in Arizona. John Mara, maybe even Steve Tisch, but I doubt it. Steve Tisch hasn't talked in a while. John Mara, by the way, used to be one of the most accessible open owners. Has not spoken 
in a press conference type setting, answering full questions in a year. Last time he talked was the owners meetings last year, right? And got questions, a lot of questions on the Brian Flores stuff at the time. Uh, but yeah, that was the last time John Mary used to do a summer press conference, like a state of the Giants before every season starts. And he used to talk along with the general manager pretty much at the midway point of every season. But he has not talked in like a year. So we'll see what he has to say. Joe Shane, Brian Dable, they'll also talk. So we'll, we'll get some information about what's going on. I'll answer some of your questions later this week. Giants After Dark, send your questions. You know how to reach me. Instagram, Twitter, email, Facebook, TikTok. I'll do my best to answer all your questions later this week. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. See you next time.